Hey everyone, and thanks for listening to the Colossians podcast. Over the course of 10 episodes, the staff team at Yarmouth Wesleyan will do a deep dive into some key passages from the book that you'll hopefully find helpful and engaging. So, thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or leave us a review on Apple or Spotify as it helps us spread the word. Thanks again for listening and enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. This is Mark, and welcome to the very first episode of our Colossians podcast. We're really excited to be working our way through this book over the next five weeks, which will lead to 10 different podcast episodes. And I'm glad that you guys are along for the journey. Uh, episode one, we're going to start off by talking about a man named Mordecai Ham. <laughs> Mordecai Ham. Uh, which sounds like a made-up name, but it, it is not. Uh, he was an evangelist from Kentucky in the 1930s. Most of us, I'm going to guess, don't know his name. He is not a guy that is talked about uh, very frequently. I've not seen any books written about him. We're not talking about a household name. But if I told you the name Billy Graham, well, then I'm going to guess most of you know that name. People who don't go to church know that name. He is a worldwide household name. He is the topic of biographies and documentary documentaries. He, I mean, he changed the landscape of church ministry uh, for decades. So how are these two guys connected? Well, it's like this. Without Ham, there is no Billy Graham. I did not mean for that to rhyme. It's literally their names. I'm not, I'm not trying to be cute. But the bottom line, without Mordecai Ham... There is no Billy Graham. Billy Graham credits Mordecai uh, with his salvation. He is the guy that led Billy Graham to the Lord and thus began his ministry and the thousands upon thousands of people that found Jesus through Billy Graham. That's not just Billy Graham's legacy. That's Mordecai Ham's legacy too. And so why are we talking about this? Well, there is a name very early on in the book of Colossians that we probably don't know. He is not a household name either, especially in comparison to Paul. Uh, I mean, there, there are a few names in the Bible that we see everywhere. And in the New Testament, Paul is one of those names, front and center. Um, his name is kind of in the lights for the New Testament. But this other name <clears throat> isn't so much that. Uh, we hear his name first in verse 7, and his name is Epaphras. Uh, Epaphras doesn't get a lot of airtime in the Bible. And so this is the short mention he receives in verse 7. It says, You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. So Paul is telling the church uh, here in the book of Colossians, you learned the good news from this guy, Epaphras. And then at the very end of the book, so now we're in chapter 4, verse 12, he gets another mention. And Paul writes this, Epaphras a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. I can assure you that he prays hard for you and also for the believers in Laodicea and Heropolis. And that's it. So, I mean, from what we know, Epaphras seems like a great guy. 
He is a teacher of the gospel. He is a servant of Christ. He is a prayer warrior. He cares for the people in his congregations. It seems like he's had his hand in a few different church plants in this region. He kind of sounds like your everyday pastor. He kind of sounds like AJ. <laughs> he's, he's teaching, he's preaching, faithfully doing the work of the kingdom, praying for the people in this region. And that's pretty much all we know of him. Right? And, and so even as I dug into some Bible commentaries and, and looked into some scholars, I mean, here's a brief summary of what we know about Epaphras. One is that the church that we're uh, getting this letter to in, in Colossians was founded by him. Uh, he was a disciple of Paul's. So Paul, through his ministry, led Epaphras to the Lord. And Epaphras goes on to uh, plant some churches, one of them being the church that we're reading about in, in Colossians. Uh, his name is short for Epaphroditus. Uh, can't blame him for shortening it. Uh, it was a relatively common name in the first century. It means lovely, fascinating, and charming. So I take back everything I said about him being like AJ. Uh, it's also the name of the servant who delivered a gift to Paul from Philippi. We read about that in Philemon in Philippians. I think it is the same guy. Most scholars agree that it is, but we're not 100% sure. Um, and so that, that's kind of the story of him. The, the cities of Laodicea and Heropolis had churches that were thriving in this time period. He had his hand in those, whether he planted them or was involved in leading them. Whatever the case is, Paul is writing to this church and telling everyone that Epaphras is bragging about their faith. This guy, Epaphras, Paul is writing, loves you guys. He is teaching you guys. He's proud of you. He's praying for you. He's working hard for the kingdom. And, and some people think Paul is writing that to the church because he wants them to know that he believes in Epaphras. And so they should too. It's like when a respected leader, say in our denomination, imagine our general superintendent showed up from Indiana, comes to Yarmouth and says, you know what, you guys, your pastor in AJ is great. You've got a keeper in him. Be encouraged. He loves you and prays for you. It's, it's almost just like a confidence boost, both for the pastor, but also for the church. Hey, keep things going. It's great. Some people think Paul did this because the church might have started to have some complaints and criticisms about Epaphras. Maybe there are some false teachers spreading false news about Epaphras. Uh, I know that it sounds hard to believe that people would gossip about the pastor and say things that weren't true, but it happens, and it happened back then. And so a lot of people think Paul was writing this letter and giving Epaphras a couple of shout-outs to say, hey... I like this guy. I back this guy. I'm for him. He teaches what is true. I think it's true. So you don't need to doubt his theology. If I'm for him, you can be for him. If I trust him, you can trust him. Uh, and, and so it was his way of, of kind of maybe squelching some of the rumors that were flying around. Whatever the case is, this Epaphras guy gets a shout out at the front and the back of the book of Colossians. And um, they... From what we understand, this Epaphras guy knows about Jesus because of Paul. So regardless of the reason why I'm talking about him today and what I want to talk about today is simply this. There is a ripple effect to following Jesus that extends far beyond you. There is a ripple effect to following Jesus that will outlive you. And we're not always going to be aware of it. And we're not always going to, to know about it. But it matters. And it's a good reminder for all of us. It's just like Mordecai Ham and Billy Graham. Ham passed away in the 60s, early 60s. 
Um, Billy Graham still had decades of anointed, incredible ministry left that Ham never got to see or hear about or experience. But you know what? That's the goal, isn't it? To do something for Christ that will long outlast you and your memory and your life. I mean, that's the only reason we're here is because someone went before us and someone went before them and someone went before them and on and on and on. It goes back to Paul and Epaphras and Jesus. We can get so caught up in the here and now, especially in today's kind of celebrity worship culture, um, which absolutely exists even in the church world. We're, we're so caught up in who are you right now? What are, do, what are you doing right now that's amazing? What platform have you made for yourself? How many followers do you have? How many books have you written? How are you proving to the world that you are somebody? But at the end of the day, our goal is actually faithfulness. That is success in the kingdom. And, and there are too many pastors who want to be and wish they were Billy Graham, but too few who are satisfied with being a Mordecai Ham. And I would say that's also true of non-pastors. There are people so bent on becoming something and being someone, but we forget about the importance of just quiet faithfulness. Who knows what lives will be changed because you were quietly faithful? Who knows what lives will be changed because of the way that you prayed diligently? Who knows the lives that will be changed because of the way that you loved your neighbors? You, you might never get your name in lights. You might never be the subject of a biography or of a documentary. But you have the potential to impact and change people's lives long past um, your time here on earth. I love this quote by Andy Stanley. Uh, he says, Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. And, and, and so who knows what my kids might do for the kingdom of God because of how I showed them Jesus and the way I prayed for them and, and equipped them and discipled them. And, and maybe it's not even one of your children, but it's someone that you raised in the kingdom, someone that you, you introduced them to Jesus and you mentored them and, and you prayed for them and walked through them uh, in the thick and thin of growing up in the faith. Uh, who knows what they might do for the kingdom or who they might lead to Jesus, who will in turn do things for the kingdom. I guess at the end of the day, what I'm trying to say is that everyone will leave a legacy, whether they mean to or not. So isn't it better to mean to? Everyone is going to leave a legacy. You will leave a legacy, whether you mean to or not. So isn't it better to mean to? And so Jesus changes Paul's life. I mean, lightning strikes. He goes blind for days. It's this miraculous, incredible story. And then he goes on to change Epaphras' life. As far as we know, there was no lightning and no blindness when Epaphras became a Christian. That does not mean his life is any less than Paul's or that he is any less valuable than Paul. Because Epaphras goes on to teach the gospel to people that Paul never sees, that Paul never hears about. He goes on to become a prayer warrior for people whose lives are changed for the kingdom. And on and on the ripple effect goes all the way to us and our kids and to future generations. And so I would say this, as you read through Colossians and you see this guy, Epaphras, you see his name pop up a couple times, that is our reminder to continue to be 
faithful. Don't give up in being faithful. As, as the scripture says, don't grow weary in doing good. There will be good that will come out of it. God will use this good for his kingdom and his purpose and his glory, but he'll do it in his timing as well. I know that we, we sometimes get a little bit upset or dissatisfied thinking about like, well, I'd, I'd like to see the impact of my life and legacy. Not everyone does. And it's rare that people do. Uh, sometimes we have a bit of a Moses experience where his life's calling was to lead people into the promised land. He never got to experience it, which I know is a bit of a devastating uh, end to his life story in Genesis. But that was just the way that it went for Moses. But he got his people there. And, and so the story continues throughout the book of Genesis and into Exodus and, and on and on it goes. Moses still played a significant role, even though he never necessarily got to witness or experience it for himself. Some of us, that might be our story as well, that we will lead people to a certain place and then we can't actually take them any further, or we don't get to see them go any further. But that doesn't mean we don't do it. That doesn't mean we don't maintain our faithfulness. We hope and pray that they continue to go to where we've led them, and that they continue to reach people who will continue to reach people, and on and on and on it goes. This idea of legacy and this idea of the ripple effect of our faith it is hugely important. It is all through Scripture. Um, at the end of your life, your biography might not be what Paul's looks like in the New Testament. It might be more of an Epaphras picture where you get a couple of verses, one at the front end of Colossians and one at the back end of Colossians, and that is okay. Um, that is how the kingdom works. That is how the gospel works. And so today, be encouraged as you go home as, as well. Uh, if it's still in lockdown, as you are at home, uh, as you love your kids, as you pray for your children, as you love your spouse, as you love your family and your coworkers, as you give them encouragement, and you don't see that immediate impact, don't give up. Keep working at it. Don't stop praying for your kid, even if it feels like it's not working. Don't, don't walk away from your faith because you're not seeing the, the, the evidence that any fruit is being born because you might not actually see it today or next year or in five years. And as hard as a pill as this can be to swallow, you might not see it in your lifetime. But don't underestimate the impact of what your quiet, faithful life lived well for the gospel, might do for someone. There will be people's lives changed because you follow Jesus and, and you might never know their name and never know your impact on their life. So keep doing the quiet, faithful work of the gospel. I hope and pray that this encourages you guys today as you continue to read Colossians, as you continue to follow Christ. Be encouraged and God bless.